Hi, I'm Bill Osmolsky with the McIver Institute, and this is the McIver Newsmakers Podcast. We're joined today by Representative Mark Bourne, who is co-chair of the Joint Committee on Finance. And we're going to talk a little bit about Governor Evers' budget proposal that he unveiled last week. And um, Representative, so this this is a big budget that the uh, the, the governor is... Uh, has uh, put out for us. Uh, it's uh, several billion dollars more than the last one. Um, what were some of the, um, you know, it's raises taxes, raises spending, kind of all across the board. A lot of a lot of stuff that you know obviously catches our attention at McIver. So, uh, what's kind of um, what what were some of your first impressions seeing this thing? Yeah, I think. Um, well, first of all, I think calling it a big budget is uh, correct. Uh, big mess. Uh, big liberal wish list. I think you could say. Um, you know, filled with lots of policy, filled with tax increases, a lot of tax increases, and uh, big spending. You know, $8.1 billion in new uh, overall spending, uh, $3.3 billion in uh, GPR spending. Uh, depending on how you, you count and add them all up, your tax increases are anywhere from you know more than a billion in just income taxes. So you start throwing in some of the, the sales tax and uh, the energy taxes, you're up to about two billion in new taxes, and you haven't even started talking about the property tax increases that are in it yet. So um, there's a lot of uh, big spending, big taxing, and just a ton of policy that just tries to take us backwards and in some ways i mean i think he just looked at everything that had been made into law in wisconsin in the last decade and tried to see how much of it he could repeal or change in in one budget it was kind of amazing to see yeah i mean one of the things that really stood out to us right away was um the huge push for social justice using the state budget like every single department getting an equity officer for example right yeah just you know how can we expand state government to focus on a liberal wish list of things and you know that's one example and just all the policy i mean the one that almost surprised me the most was the repeal of act 10 i mean he didn't do that in his last budget he didn't mention it in his speech you know if this is something that he thinks is important to take you know settled law that's a decade old at this point that really local governments have you know, built their budgets on and, and try to repeal it and to not mention it or, or anything. And then, boom, there it is and in the budget where it has absolutely no purpose being, of course. Yeah, that, that struck us, too. It was an unusual speech in that some of the largest items in his budget were left out. And, you know, starting with, I mean, the natural starting point for this budget would have been COVID-19 and the impact it's had on the states. And he didn't even mention that in the state budget. Right. Yeah. Other than, I mean, maybe you could say some of the economic development stuff, which really is more than you would normally see, I think, from a governor like Evers. I think some of that maybe is focused on that. But other than that, yeah, there really isn't any focus on and certainly not in his message. I think that was what was most striking to us as we sat in the chambers and listened. It was like. You know, here's my, I'm going to focus on climate change. I'm going to tax energy. I'm going to spend a lot of money. That was what the speech was. I'm going to spend money on all these great things. But what about the fact that we are working our way through a pandemic? And what's your plan on, on focusing on how we come out of this and, and you know, come out of it strong and especially focusing on our business and communities and families as we get back to uh, normal? And uh, you just didn't see that here. And that's why the budget just shows that it's, Really just, uh, uh, I mean, my colleague, uh, 
the fellow co-chair Mark Lyon said it was a liberal's dream, and I think that's pretty close to true. Yeah, a lot of it is uh, comes down to like, especially with a business recovery, it's it's it strikes strikes me as picking winners and losers. I mean, massive tax increases on all employers, <laughs> and then using Wittig to pick and choose which ones are, are going to get these little incentives back. And that's exactly it. And then and the tax increases is you know another shining example of ignoring the reality of what we're in. And these businesses that have just come through this pandemic, it looks like things are going well now. Vaccines numbers are good. You know, we're, we're rolling out of it. More places are opening up. Things are getting back to normal. More schools are opening up, which is good. They all should be open in person. And now is not the time to raise taxes on businesses or our families. You know, this has been a tough year. And the worst public policy stuff you can be doing is raising taxes on our businesses who've had to survive in a difficult environment, our families that have had to make huge adjustments with kids being home and working from home and school from home. In some cases, people losing jobs because of the tough economic environment for some sectors of our economy. So the very worst thing we can be doing is focusing tax increases on businesses and, and the, you know, the key parts of our community that provide uh, family supporting jobs and are the foundations of our communities. Now let's uh, raise taxes on them to fund liberal wish list ideas. And it's just absolutely the wrong direction to go. Yeah. And um, you know, you mentioned act 10. I mean, obviously right now we are marking the 10 year anniversary of the act 10 riots at the Capitol, but you know, a lot of that, you know, people don't, I don't think people realize how much that that's not just about reforming collective bargaining in Wisconsin. That also gave these local governments and school districts a lot of tools and budget flexibility that, you know, a lot of that is just going to be ripped right away, right out, you know, if this budget were to become, you know, the final product. Right. Which obviously it's not, but right, exactly. That's just, I mean, it, it blows a hole in these local government budgets. And, you know, he acts like, well, we'll just, you know, up up their state aid a little bit and we'll let them raise more property taxes and everything will be fine. Nothing to see here. Well, no, these are policies that take us in the wrong direction. We don't need higher taxes. We don't need to see massive property tax increases on anyone, but especially on, you know, folks on fixed income that are trying to stay in their homes. Again, the business sector, if you're in the, you know, retail service industries and you're coming through this tough economy where you've maybe been closed or had you know greatly reduced on, on the number of people you can have in your business and, and now let's jack your property taxes so that we can you know fund other liberal ideas and it's just it's so much in the wrong direction it's disappointing to see you know at the start of the process uh, co-chair mark Klein and i sent a letter to governor evers and said you know let's work on focusing on the priorities investing in priorities don't send us a budget that taxes more. Don't send us a big spending budget. Don't send us a bunch of policy initiatives that have no place in a budget. You know, let's work and, and focus on an actual budget document that focuses on appropriations and invests in priorities. And obviously, I don't know, he didn't read the letter or didn't care to work with us because he certainly went the opposite direction, to say the least. And, and now we're left with a budget document that's going to be pretty hard to work from. Yeah, yeah, this was his response, I guess. Yeah. Um. You know, talking about, like, turning the clock back before Act 10, you know, another thing that a lot of people have forgotten about were all the budget tricks that, you know, the Doyle administration really relied on 
to make the budget to comply with the state law that the budget be balanced, even though it wasn't like, um, you know, shifting, uh, shifting payments, Pat, you know, like, Hey, mm -hmm. we're going to do this now, but we're going to pay for it during the next budget. And it seems like there's a lot of those tricks are, are, you know, he's bringing a lot of those tricks back. Yeah, he is. And that's one of the more troubling things on, on this one too, is that he takes us from, you know, a strong situation financially as a state moving into this budget where we have uh, a large general fund surplus. We have the largest rainy day fund in state history we have a positive balance uh, using gap accounting for the first time in a very long time in Wisconsin. And now in one budget, he's going to blow all that and drive us right back into the hole again with um, deficits, uh, including the gap deficit. Uh, you know, we're, we're, I think we're almost a, a billion on the plus side right now. He's going to drive us a billion in the hole on that and going through this budget. And it's just, you know, amazing to see that, we've worked so hard to write the fiscal ship and you know, come a long way in a lot of ways since that repair bill was needed during act 10 to start getting us into a better fiscal position. And he wants to just blow it all up and turn it all back into a hole in, in one budget. And it's completely irresponsible and not the kind of leadership that we need for our state government. And obviously the legislature will push back. So what kind of options are you guys considering now or at least, you know, facing uh, as you as you uh, prepare to start your work in joint finance on this? Yeah, I think right now, um, you know, we're in the same spot we always are in any budget process where we're just trying to figure out all the details. It's a massive document, you know, almost uh, I think it's like eighteen hundred and forty some pages of the bill itself. And so the fiscal bureau is working through that, you know, ironing out all the details. So we make sure we understand exactly what he was trying to do in all these areas and our staff and then legislators are working through the same stuff. But when it comes time to, you know, going on the road in, in April, probably and start hearing from the public on it and some more input on it, on the budget from stakeholders and public hearings and things like that. You know, I think then uh, co-chair Mark Line and I and the committee will start talking more about, how we approach it in more detail. But generally speaking, it's pretty clear that we're going to have to go a similar route to last time, throw out all the policy. It shouldn't be there anyway. That should be done through the legislative process and, and bills and hearings and lots of input from stakeholders on all sides of issues and things. And so we'll probably, one of the first acts of the committee will be to remove all that policy. And then we're probably going to have to work from a base budget like we did last time too, because you look at you know, where it's really, this budget's just built on sand. He does all this stuff to expand welfare and legalize marijuana and bring in, to bring in more money and increase all these taxes that we're obviously not going to do right now in this current environment. So there's just a ton of spending that's built on these revenue streams that just aren't real. They're not the right path for the state of Wisconsin. So it's hard to work from that. So I think we'll probably end up working from a base budget and then building up from there to invest in our priorities. As I said, the state's in a good financial position and we have funds available to invest in priorities like um, education, transportation, healthcare. And then we also have, you know, funds available to, you know, cut some taxes again too. When our revenues are up like they are, it shows that um, we're collecting uh, in some ways too much from the citizens of Wisconsin. So as you've seen in past budgets, I'm sure we're going to look for opportunities to cut taxes more. Now, how do you uh, how do you envision this process going? I mean, uh, 
obviously the first the first step that you guys take is you uh, have joint fine or you have uh, the fiscal bureau review the governor's budget and you talk to the um, you talk to all the heads of the agencies. So and they, they they'll all be done in the in the state capitol. Um, once we get into the after that comes the public hearings and how do you guys plan on actually uh, uh, handling those this time around? Yeah, we've started to discuss that between uh, uh, Mark Lyon's office and my office. And uh, I think next week or certainly the following week, we'll have it, all the details hammered out and put it out to what the plan is. But generally speaking, what we're looking at is certainly doing some of what we like to call the road show again, where we get out and do public hearings around the state. Uh, we'll certainly do those. You know, logistically, they might look a little different and uh, bigger venues and, and more spacing and things. But there's certainly ways to do that and and we think it's important to get out there and hear from folks around the state just not what we hear in madison or in our individual districts and so we'll do that i think you'll also see though that we'll have some other options available for folks that don't think that's a venue that they want to approach right now Um, the committee's always had the ability to submit testimony through a web page and we'll have something similar to that i think we'll also look at some virtual options for for input as well just to make sure that we've got a variety of ways for people to uh, work with the committee on, on getting input in there and, and crafting a better budget for the state of Wisconsin. Cool. Then, um, so, I mean, the governor's budget kind of really, you know, throws a lot, a lot at us. Um, but do you, I mean, and a lot of this is obviously going to, you know, kind of, you know, it's going to have to fight its way back in if it gets in at all. Um, what do you anticipate being like the big hot button issues of this budget? Um, you know, like obviously last budget, it, it was all about, you know, um, the transportation fund. Do you, do you anticipate any uh, any areas that are going to get a lot more attention than others this time around? I think that, um, you know, education is one that always gets a lot of focus. And so I'm sure that will be again. Um, Health care as well is something that is a lot of, you know, families are, are concerned about. And so that always gets some attention. But I think one of the things that will be different this time is, all of the federal funding that's come in, all of the CARES Act money, and I think there's going to be a lot of discussion and debate and just um, you know trying to figure it all out on how that impacts or if it does impact uh, certain areas of the budget because you know, we've seen uh, two major rounds of that and the feds are working on a third one now. And uh, Evers has control over almost all that CARES money and it's put it in a lot of different places. And so I think we're going to have to, you know, have some serious analysis and discussion on where that's all gone, how it impacts folks in the state. And, you know, some of it won't impact the budget because it was very specific to COVID things that are, have come and gone. But uh, some of it is going to be some pretty massive amounts of money you know, pushed into our education system and stuff. And I think members are curious as to how that, you know, impacts budgets moving forward. And, and that will certainly be part of the discussion. So I think that's one that maybe is just a an unusual one because of the way the pandemic brought all that federal money in and that, that'll be certainly part of the discussion. Yeah. I remember back in, um, you know, about 10 years ago when we had the big stimulus and that just sure. flushed, yeah, flushed education with cash, but the, you know, people were warning, Hey, we're gonna have a funding cliff. And then the next year, you know, a lot of that funding went away and everyone was saying, Oh, you cut education spending. So yeah, messaging becomes a, a problem there. <laughs> It gets tricky, yeah, and so that's why it'll be, because it's not a usual occurrence. It's not something you see every budget. Like you say, we've seen it before, but it comes along at different times when there's, you know, federal bailouts for different reasons and things, and this one will certainly, you know, add to the conversation. Cool. So 
Um, if you were to make a prediction, when is this budget going to be passed and signed into law? Yeah, you know, the, the timetable is always the focus to have it done by July 1. And uh, as we say right now, we're on schedule. Nothing has uh, knocked us off that yet. So we'll keep chugging along and, and plan to stay on schedule. And, and we'll see, uh, you know, if something uh, derails us along the way on the schedule, then we'll certainly adjust. But that's uh, that's our goal at this point. And right now we don't have any reason to think we can't get there. And we'll keep plugging away. Cool. And, uh, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention, this is your first year uh, as uh, co-chair uh, working your way through the budget. How do you how do you feel about uh, considering that circumstance? Yeah, in some ways, it's a little bit different perspective, certainly. And they have some uh, new responsibilities with the team. But in other ways, you know, we work together as an assembly finance team. And then we sit down with our Senate uh, counterparts and, and hammer out a budget that, um, you know, has, has heavy influence within our caucuses and focuses on the priorities of the state. So, uh, a lot of that work is the same, you know, teamwork that we're going to be focused on from the last two budgets I've been involved in and continue in this one. But certainly, uh, you know, there's a few differences, certainly spending a lot more time with uh, Senator Markline than I ever have before. You know, we worked on things before, but it would, you know, come and go. And, you know, so enjoying that experience and getting to know uh, some of my colleagues on the committee better and stuff. But a lot of it's the same focused on the budget work. Sounds great. Well, uh, I, I know everyone hopes it goes as smoothly as you make it sound like it's going to. So. <laughs> I do, too. Yep. <laughs> great. Well, hey, thank you very much for, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, again, this is uh, I am Bill Osmolsky. This is the McIver Newsmakers podcast, and we are joined today by Representative Mark Bourne, who is the co-chair of the Joint Finance Committee. And we plan to be spending lots of time on the state budget on the McIver Newsmakers podcast in the weeks and months ahead. So be sure to tune in. Mm-hmm.